It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hey, friends, this is Andy. This episode of Accelerate is brought to you by KiteDesk. KiteDesk is the all-in-one sales development platform that lets you manage all of your sales development activities, such as email, direct dial phone calls, and your daily to-dos, all in one place to open up conversations, book more qualified meetings, and really create a predictable pipeline. KiteDesk Flow and KiteDesk Find allows us to find exactly the right people in the industries we're looking for, in the roles that we're looking for. That's KiteDesk customer Michael Orfis. Michael is head of sales at Stratified. In addition to the all-in-one management of his sales development team's days, KiteDesk helps him with another big part of his job. We have the ability with KiteDesk to do what we call targeted campaigns. Our conversion rate from what we were doing in the past to what we're doing now has been really massive. So you don't have to take tons of time to research, prospect, then blast large lists of people that never turn into sales opportunities. We're seeing higher clicks, we're seeing higher open rates, and Without question, we've seen a massive increase in pipeline generation. So, to learn more about KiteDesk, schedule a free demo, and learn how to create predictable pipeline at your sales organization, go to kitedesk.com forward slash accelerate. That's K-I-T-E-D-E-S-K dot com slash accelerate. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. Uh, joining me on the show today is Travis Truitt. He is co-founder and CEO of Ambition. Ambitions, an enterprise-grade sales productivity platform. Travis, welcome to Accelerate. Andy, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, been a long-time listener and uh, excited to finally uh, get on the podcast and talk sales. Well, hey, let's do it. Let's do it. We could talk football first. I know we did that the last time we, we chatted before the show, but uh, last time we talked, actually, your your team was undefeated, but not so much anymore. We've had a rough couple weeks, uh, you know, uh, being a Tennessee Vols fan, we've had a lot of promise going into this year. We started um, strong. Five, started strong, and then real tough game against A and M. Lost in overtime uh, after turning the ball over seven times, which we absolutely deserved to lose. And then a bloodbath with Alabama in town. And now we've got to pick up the pieces. We need Florida to lose. We got to go to the SEC championship. Get our guys healthy. And uh, hopefully have a really great postseason uh, run. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Well, by the time this episode airs, that will all be history. So we'll know for sure. We'll know for sure. <laughs> so uh, the the, you know, the the past is prologue. So uh, yeah, besides your your passion for all things volunteers football, take a minute introduce yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So as Andy said, Travis Truitt, founder and CEO of Ambition. Uh, we have built a platform. Um, that is focused around, you know, sales performance management. You know, really what we like to really think of it as is like employee engagement and basically the employee experience. We're big believers that, you know, really, you know, at the end of the day, what matters to a company, their customers and their employees. And you have Salesforce on one end kind of owning that customer experience or CX. And at Ambition, we think every day about, you know, employee experience, EX, what that means and how we can help organizations um, be better, be more productive, and uh, you know provide the best possible 
place for their employees. Okay. So what was the impetus to start Ambition? Impetus. Impetus was a couple things. You know, part of it stems from, you know, my dad, lifelong salesperson, uh, you know, just kind of growing up and, you know, kind of hearing the good, bad, and the ugly from him in terms of, you know, what it's like to be in a sales environment. You know, a lot of times, even, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, and even even to an extent today, you know, kind of just living and dying by that, you know, quarterly, you know, spreadsheet that you're waiting, that you're waiting to receive, or, you know, not a lot of feedback, uh, you know, kind of just going out there and, and, you know, a lot of just guessing and checking. And then also, um, some investors from a previous company, uh, running some very large sales organizations and, you know, kind of talking to them and working with them and realizing that, you know, again, even in, even with very forward thinking, um, executives and even in, you know, modern fast growing companies, there's still a lot of room to improve when it comes to, again, that employee experience. There's a lot of room to improve when it comes to actually showing employees what it means to be productive and not just, you know, cracking the whip on phone calls or, you know, driving toward a, a you know, a quota at the end of the, again, month, quarter, year. And so we just saw an opportunity to, you know, build a great product, really focus on the experience and um, do some special things. And, and basically, you know, a tool that we would want to use if, if and as we are building a sales team. So it seems like there's sort of a chicken and the egg issue in there, which is what you have is, it sounds like, as you're describing, it's a, it's, it's, uh, it's a vehicle of a certain culture, sales culture, if you will. So, yep. you know, does it only work if you're in environments that, that have that type of sales culture? Or are you finding that it helps companies sort of adopt a different sales culture? Yeah, so... I mean, you're, you're definitely right in the sense that it is a little bit of a chicken egg problem. We, we do a lot of product education. We do a lot of consulting, you know, really kind of just breaking down for companies uh, that, you know, the, the way we like to say it is, you know, the people, the employees that are entering the workforce today, they, they have never known a world without Google. Like, like literally, like they, I mean, by the time that they basically, you know, became conscious humans, they like Google, Google existed. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that's pretty fundamentally different from, you know, any other generation previously. Sure. And, me, and, for instance, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, for instance, me, me to an extent, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm 30. And so I'm kind of on that cusp of like, I can remember the early analog years. Um, you know, I, I mean, I can remember when, you know, my first computer was, was pre windows, you know, was like, you know, if I wanted to play a game, it was like six floppy disks. Uh, and so, you know, I can, I can kind of, I can, that's more an indictment of the computer that people are buying for you as opposed to the generation, but yeah, go ahead. That's true. And so, yeah. And so, you know, I, you know, I've been able to start all the fence, but so, you know, you have people that are entering the workforce today and they've never known a world without Google. 2015 was the tipping point in the sense that there are now more millennials, um, in the workforce than there are any other demographics. And so we kind of just like walk companies through the fact that, you know, things are changing. We're at a, a an important inflection where, you know, employees matter and love them or hate them. Millennials are, you know, willing to, you know, um, leave companies much faster than their predecessors. They have different demands and there is a need for competitive companies to, to again, kind of as I said earlier, not only focus on the customer experience, but the employee experience. And so, yeah, I guess to your point, there is a culture um, that we kind of can help instill in companies, 
the companies that kind of already have that mindset, it's just an immediate home run. Other companies, it is more of a learning process. It's more of a of an adoption of both a mindset and a tool set. But at the end of the day, we've been able to see some incredible success, and we've been able to work with some really, really, um, you know, established organizations that have been able to see. Um, I don't know. Again, like really cool results. Um, you know, across employee and product lines that you wouldn't necessarily expect it. Okay. Well, I want to jump into that in a second. There's a couple of examples. But before that, is may just spend a few minutes talking about what Ambition actually does because it, yeah, I think for useful for people to sort of, you know, get the little bit of the meat and then they can understand the context is, is it sounds like what, you know, f- what you're doing is you're aggregating information about activities. I mean, you still are tracking, you help track activities, but you add a level of, of gamification uh, competition and so on that that you know pulls it purely out of the cracking the whip mode as you talk about basically yeah so you know and, and yeah that's a, a good call taking a step back so ambition basically we connect with any and all data sources so whether that is like a phone system or a crm like salesforce or you know a proprietary homegrown system um, you know maybe there's some internal systems you know ticket tracking systems or call center systems basically anything and everything we tie all that data together, and then we allow a business team to create KPIs around these data sources. And so the exciting thing is the way we built the system is not only can you track you know, your typical KPIs, you know, like, uh, you know, like quotas or pipeline movement, but really there's a big focus on two things. One is the activity metrics, so the leading indicators like emails, phone calls, new leads, demos. But then there's also a focus on kind of what we refer to as productivity metrics, which are really going to be like your ratios, you know, how many phone calls does it take for a new lead? Uh, you know, what is your conversion rate of, you know, emails to demo and then a demo to a new opportunity? And so by building a platform uh, around those different kind of classes of KPIs, we're then able to layer, you know, things like scorecards, goals, uh, competitions, you know, analytics, um, you know, like, like TV leaderboards, basically we're able to plug all these things in that kind of make the experience exciting and kind of drive that transparency, accountability, you know, motivation, recognition, and it kind of all, you know, works together to not only be an effective tool for the employees, but then also for the managers coaching the employees. Yeah. So you talk about, um, transparency. I mean, that's, that is sort of an interesting one. It's sort of, uh, I guess it sort of brings up a case, you know, a lot of people think about, okay, well, is, is that sort of competition, which really the transparency enables, isn't that just another form of cracking the whip? You know, there, there definitely, you know, transparency is a double-edged sword. Uh, it can be used um, to great effect. It can also be used to negative effect. One of the things with ambition is that, you know, we very deeply ingrained into the product is transparency. But with that said, the way that we've kind of designed it is that the transparency is focused around, uh, again, like, are you a productive employee? So we basically, and even, even when you look at our gamification, even our gamification offerings are less around like, you know, what are you doing as an individual and are you as good as, you know, the number one person is more around like, you know, are you competing? Are you part of a team and are you collaborating together to achieve, you know, a, 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 a higher goal, um, or just in general, you know, are you being, are you being productive in the sense that, you know, 
an or a sales organization, they don't necessarily want you to make a million phone calls. You know, like they want you to make the right amount of phone calls that it takes in order to progress leads and opportunities and progress those opportunities into deals. And so we do highlight that. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is that we try and really tailor the product to highlight what's important and then highlight where an employee can improve as opposed to just saying, you know, from an absolute measure, hey, you know, you are terrible because you have made 900 less phone calls this week than Steve. Steve is awesome. The end. <laughs> yeah, well, I suspect the that there's that opportunity for that that type of of abuse but there isn't any any system where there's you know dashboards and scoreboards that that people can see right because uh, you know the inherent level of competition people are going to have anyway if they're in sales i think um but I, I one of your basic sort of tools is the scorecard that can be customized which i think is a really valuable tool that that not enough sales organizations use which is you know, creating scores based on certain levels of, of required activities. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's a good point. You know, with our scorecards, the, the basis of it is basically you, and you organize your employees into roles or, you know, job functions. So you might have SDRs or AEs or account managers or customer support. And then based on that given role, you can actually set basically your daily activities. So what do you want them to do every day? Um, you know, you define like a KPI a benchmark and then a weight. And then basically what do you want your employees to do, you know, every, you know, week, month or quarter. So basically, you know, what do you want, you know, what are their objectives? And so when you do that, when you define the short-term leading indicators and then kind of the long-term lagging indicators or the long-term objectives, what you're able to do is you're not only able to give your employees kind of a clear success template of you need to be putting in these inputs to get these outputs and let's measure that. But you can actually look at the correlation on a on a per employee per role basis, and then that's kind of goes back to the productivity I was talking to earlier, where you can actually measure, you know, again the ins and outs, and then you can actually be a much more effective coach and drive much more effective um, conversations around around that score. And so we've even developed, um, you know, based on that scorecard, we've even developed like what we refer to as the productivity quadrant, where you know literally we map employees you know, on a graph and we can show them, Hey, you are high input, low output. Here are some recommendations based on this. You are so you high know, input, low output, meaning. So high input, low output typically means these are people that are working really hard, which is great because typically in a sales organization, you know, it's all about sourcing and training people that have effort or sourcing and hiring people that are going to put in the effort. But when they're at that point, basically that's the time for the manager to come in and say, let's focus on training. Let's focus on what it is you're doing where you're, where you're not converting. So, you know, that might be, you know, shadowing on calls or demos that might be talking about like, you know, the emails that you're sending out. Um, so inversely, if somebody is low input, high output, that can mean a couple different things. But again, it's a specific conversation that ambition can, can show. And so, you know, if you are, but input in general, input being activities, output being orders, yeah, orders, orders, revenue, you know, for, for a longer sales cycle, maybe it's just like new opportunities in the pipeline. And so, you know, if, if you're in that quadrant, basically the top left section, then, you know, that could mean things like maybe you are doing things that you're either not logging uh, in your system, or maybe there's just not a way for you to log those in the system. So, you know, that's a conversation around, okay, if, if Steve is doing these things and these things are effective, then we need to figure out a way to actually build these mechanisms into our CRM so that we're tracking and holding other people accountable to them. 
or maybe it's just a conversation of saying, Steve, we invested in a CRM and it's really, really important that you log your inputs because even though you are, you know, even though you are driving the outputs, even though you are hitting your quota, you know, for forecasting and for a variety of different reasons, it's important. And that's kind of where the gamification can come, you know, help and kind of convince Steve that it's worthwhile. So maybe if you have people that are just not logging the inputs, then you can basically put them in, you know, a tailored competition to kind of provide them some of that, that, you know, that, uh, that peer pressure, um, to do it. And then sometimes maybe you just have a really, really effective person that's just a natural. And again, by kind of identifying them as an outlier, then you're able to quickly say, okay, how do we, you know, how do we get this person into a position where they, they themselves can make money, more money, and then where the company can make more money. So again, we, you know, we just look at our tool in a lot of ways as transparency and accountability, but then really kind of the, the insights to have better conversations from a manager, you know, being a coach and then from an employee kind of just better being able to understand this is where I am. This is where I need to go. And now I have a better understanding where I get there. Okay. I mean, I sort of envision it as, as a sort of unified dashboard, if you will. Yeah, exactly. All right. So you talked before about giving some examples of how companies are using ambition and sort of the results they've experienced. So you know, if you can give one or two examples, sir, provide some context for people listening. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, what's been interesting about ambition is while we, our outbound efforts target sales organizations, you know, primarily because ambition was originally built for sales organizations and, you know, generally with sales organizations, it's, it's easier to show ROI for the product. We've actually had companies kind of from, you know, a variety of different uh, segments and, and departments utilize our, our software. So, you know, for example, we have Cvent. Cvent is a large billion-dollar company based in D.C., and they have their entire customer support function um, using Ambition to basically track things like, you know, uh, tickets, response time, um, satisfaction survey scores. And, you know, they have several hundred people in India that are waking up every day that are using Ambition that are providing a better support experience for customers they have been able to increase satisfaction scores um, by double-digit percentages, and they—it's just—it's—it's it's funny because it's one of those things where they have TVs up on the wall. They, uh, you know, are always in competitions. They're always kind of playing our like quote-unquote fantasy football for sales module, or they're creating these kind of like one-off spiffs. And and again, it's just something that we never even really foresaw, especially from kind of a an international-based support team. Uh, from call center operations, we actually have West Corporation, which is you know another one of those big billion-dollar companies that most people have never heard of, but they have thousands and thousands of employees um, in a call center environment, and they again they track things like you know being able to in their outbound functions, you know being able to pick up the phone and and dial out and basically get you know get deals done or get renewals done. Or, you know, being able to convince people to kind of sit down for longer conversations with an account executive. They've actually been able to increase their productivity 46% just in terms of being able to kind of really dial in on, you know, the process of making that outbound phone call, perfecting their pitch, and then getting the deal. And, you know, they, they track, they literally track things in, in sales per hour, which, you know, for most salespeople is, is kind of apples and oranges to the, you know, the, uh, you know, the traditional sales cycle. But, it's just been an amazing experience with them. Um, Continuum has been able to drive Salesforce adoption utilization 86%. We've had Lyft. So um, when you say it, it's – so 
you're saying the I'm just, you know, trying to think that 86% increase in CRM utilization. So is that through the, some of the automation that you provide? So in a lot of ways, what that is, is, you know, when you introduce transparency and especially competition into an organization, uh, you know, we can see and basically prove out where, where beforehand, you know, maybe somebody had just, uh, you know, finished up a phone call and, you know, they're running late for lunch and they said, oh, you know what, maybe I will, you know, kind of uh, log this later when I get back from lunch. And most of the time they never do. Mm-hmm. Instead, they will literally not go to lunch until that is logged because they know that that is going to show up on their dashboard. That is going to affect their productivity score. You know, that could add points to their game. And so what Continuum was able to do is basically to say, look, we have bench lines of, of activities. And, you know, basically they were able to normalize and say, okay, given, you know, the, the end result increases that Ambition is able to, has able to provide, we're also able to kind of extract back out that, you know, not only have they been able to provide us with an actual bottom line ROI, but we just have way, way more data on the front end, basically just saying that, you know, people are now just really logging the things that they've been doing, you know, irregardless on top of, you know, additional activity. And so what's been special for them is just being able to say, look, we made a a significant investment into Salesforce CRM. There's obviously a lot of forecasting tools that can be used there, but you can't really forecast if you don't have the data. And so Ambition has basically been able to give them double ROI, not only from Ambition, but then also from Salesforce and just being able to have their employees utilize it to to a higher degree. Yeah, it's sort of interesting as you're talking, and and you know clearly the gamification's a you know central part of of ambition. Is yeah, just wondering is is are we does that, back to the point we made before? I mean, does it really be interesting to see? Does it does it really help employees feel like they're more bought into the process versus it's something that's imposed on them? So I think it, what it comes down to in a lot of ways, and we see this is I like to break down kind of into the paradigm of you basically have candy, aspirin, and vitamins. And so, you know, typically, and again, this is by no means to, to you know, dumb down any, any salesperson or sales organization. I think that just basic psychology, like this kind of makes sense, is that with ambition, it kind of starts with the candy. The candy being maybe, you know, having a TV leaderboard put up where, you know, you can, if you hit certain accolades, your picture and your, your, you know, your, your anthem, your song will play on the wall. And you're just like, man, this is kind of exciting. And, you know, yeah, I did 40 calls today and now I'm recognized for it. And I'm able to kind of control the personalized recognition. This is cool. And so I think that's like the initial buy-in. Um, I think from there, a lot of times then you kind of go from the, the candy to the aspirin, which is basically being able to solve a pain point for employees. And again, this goes beyond gamification, but just being able to say, you know, I'm an employee and I want to know, you know, at the end of the week, month or quarter, if I'm going to be in trouble or not. And there are still a lot of sales organizations out there that don't really have that kind of day-to-day transparency or don't really track, uh, you know, the, the leading indicators to an extent where an employee can really know, you know, have I been putting in the effort? I feel like I have, but I don't really know, you know, are, are my numbers going to be where they need to be? And so I think that like we can kind of be that aspirin that kind of solves that headache and I think that can, you know, again, further kind of increase buy-in, not necessarily, you know, there, I guess to some people there is that sense of something being imposed on them, but in reality, because again, we focus more on the leading indicators and the productivity, we can instead kind of, um, again, help employees, you know, 
understand, okay, I'm on target or I'm not, and here's what I need to do. And then to me, you know, kind of the, the vitamin is being able to have like, you know, those scorecards being able to, you know, have the, you know, the competitions built around metrics that might be not necessarily strong in have being able to highlight areas where they need to be coached and kind of, you know, tying it into a system where it's more about, this is how you become better. And if you become better, here's how much money you could potentially make by increasing this one thing. You know, it's one of those, it's like you turn this knob and all of a sudden, you know, the output, your output increases, you know, $2,000 a month back in your pocket. And so, you know, but it's going to take you really working on this part of the puzzle. And so again, you know, ambition isn't one of those things where we roll it out on day one and we basically just say, go, it is, you know, more involved in that just in helping organizations kind of understand the process, understand the psychology, kind of understand, you know, what it takes to change behavior, changing behavior being one of the hardest things to, to do in the world. And so again, yeah, you know, sales organization, there's obviously different people, different personalities. Some people run with that immediately. Some people take some time to warm up, but again, we've been able to see some really strong results overall. We've been able to, what's important to us is drive the middle 70%. So not just give another tool for the top people or not really provide a tool that just really shows you who to fire at the bottom, but really kind of engage, you know, the people in the middle that, you know, just in a lot of ways need help and want to be more involved, but might not necessarily be recognized every day because yeah, they're not quite frankly outstanding. They're not setting records. And so again, I I think it works at the end of the day for sure. So it seems like one of the key metrics that people that subscribe to your product would be is employee retention. Absolutely. Yeah. No. So what what have you, what have been their experiences with that? Yeah. So that's actually a really good point is that, you know, a couple of the other benefits of ambition, significant benefits are not only basically being able to decrease employee ramp, but then also increase um, employee retention. And so, you know, what, when you look at the employee ramp, basically by being able to give them these scorecards, being able to really kind of open up the transparency and be able to show, you know, listen, like here's what people around you are doing. Here is, you know, in ambition, you have the concept of being able to build in tenure and you're like tenure and basically filter by it. And you're able to say, Hey, the people that are in the next tenure class ahead of me, here's what they're doing. And I know that I need to get there. And I know that maybe it's a good idea to talk to them about how to kind of, you know, bridge this jump from, you know, a scorecard as a, as a level one employee to a level two employee. So we've been able to, you know, basically increase collaboration, decrease ramp there. Also from retention, again, this kind of goes back to what I was talking about, you know, really early on, which is just that notion of employee experience and the fact that employees that are coming to the workforce today, you know, they have a baseline expectation of, you know, real-time data and real-time insights and, you know, the ability to kind of see everything in front of them and have a, have a clear map of what they need to be doing and what everybody else around them is doing. And so, you know, I'll be honest right now that that is, we don't have um, a lot of hard numbers around that and just that we haven't really done a great case study there. We've kind of been focusing more on kind of more like the top line activity boosts and then the bottom line ROI. But, you know, we've been able to hear at least informally from our, our customers that that has been, um, you know, a motivating factor in not only buying ambition, but then also using ambition, renewing ambition and kind of seeing those results and really being able to put together the case study of why this is an important part of their organization's fabric moving forward. Mm-hmm. So what question you and I had spoken about once before is, is sort of the definition of sales productivity. And so how do you, how are you guys defining productivity within, you know, this productivity quadrant? I mean, what's, what's, you know, cause 
productivity is really it's an equation, right? I mean, it's a rate of output over a unit divided by a unit of input. So are you measuring it that way or is there some other measure you use? So the way that we're measuring it right now is we're basically saying on um, take a month and what is your average amount of input um, every day of that month? So basically, you know, uh, you know, in 21 business days, on average, what are you doing? And so right now we're kind of calling that your, your average input. And then we're also looking at, you know, based on the way that you've set up ambition, we're looking at your, you know, you trending toward your monthly objectives or your quarterly objectives or your long-term objectives. And so we're basically looking at the average input um, divided by your, um, your targeted output and being able to give you a productivity score based on that. And so what we're able to do is on that productivity quadrant, you know, at the, let's say at the beginning of the time frame you were looking at, everybody starts in that bottom left corner, basically at zero, zero. And then as the month or as the time period progresses, basically what you're able to do is you're able to watch your employees kind of, you know, march up the graph. And so, you know, typically what happens is that they will start going straight across horizontally because over, you know, a period of days, they're basically starting to build that average, you know, input, um, you know, input score. And they're able to basically, you know, trend right, 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 right. They're working hard. And then, you know, throughout, you know, starting to get more into the time period, they start to get some of those results for those actions. And they start kind of trending up and up and up and up. And so what's really cool is what we're able to do is basically show a graph and show, you know, over a period of time, basically how your employees trend from working hard to basically working smart and getting those results. And then from there, we're able to show the outliers and basically show, uh, you know, again, where you should focus, you know, effort on as opposed to people that are following your normal progression curve and that are going to hit the expected numbers. So I know you measure it a little bit differently and there are some ideas we have for the future, but that's kind of what we're doing right now. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Well, I just want to give people an idea so they understood what uh, who are listening and understand how you're doing that. So great. And so, Travis, we're in the last segment of the show where I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests. And uh, the first one is a hypothetical scenario. And in this scenario, you've just been hired as uh, the vice president of sales by a company whose sales have stalled out. They don't have ambition. And uh, CEO is anxious to hit the reset button, get back on track. So what two things could you do your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? Great question. So first things I would do, uh, one, I would find customers. I would find some of our best customers. I would interview them and understand why they are using our service. And then I would interview some customers that have just churned. I would ask them why they churned. And then I would interview some customers that, or some, some, um, potential customers that actually kind of fell out of our process and maybe went with another competitor or just didn't really see the product product need and then I'd interview them. So I would really kind of get a better understanding at the very beginning of basically our customer profile and mm-hmm. what is and what's not working. Then I would probably interview um, both probably high performing and low performing employees and kind of get a sense of the same thing. And then I would honestly probably just start backwards and I would just say, you know, I would discount maybe the very top reps, but I'd maybe look at like that 80th or 90th percentile. And I'd basically just try and work backwards and say, you know, what are they doing? And, you know, starting with like, what do they do every single day when they come in? And then how does that translate into, you know, an actual plan? Like, like, can I turn 
their leading indicators into a correlation of long-term success. And then I would basically just start building, I'd basically start A-B testing it. And going into week two, I would basically say, you employees are going to adhere to this plan. You employees are going to adhere to this plan. And then we would, we would, you know, start to see what works. Okay. Oh, great answer. Yeah. I haven't, I uh, say we've, that's about the 375th time I've asked that question. And, and uh, yeah, I don't think anyone's suggested the A-B testing before. That's good. All right. So some rapid fire questions for you is, um, you can give me one word answers or you can elaborate if you wish. So when you, Travis Truitt, are out selling, what's your most powerful sales attribute? Powerful sales attribute, I think, would definitely be passion. Um, I generally, uh, I'm pretty excitable. I'm pretty passionate. And I enjoy really long, drawn out uh, questions and discussions around the future of the industry. Okay, well, we'll have to have more of those. So, um, who's your sales role model? Sales role model. It's uh, a good question. Um, I've been able to learn a lot from Mark Cranny, who is a partner at Andreessen Horowitz. Um, he has a, has a very old school, uh, you know, hard nosed approach to sales, which I appreciate. Um, and then I would say another investor of mine. Um, Ted Alling, uh, who is one of those guys where at the end of every sales call, the person that he's been talking to would consider him basically like a very dear close friend. And he just has that ability to create that kind of connection mm-hmm. in an in insanely small amount of time. And so, yeah, basically being able to provide like the hard nosed, here's why you're going to buy, let's go. And then, you know, that let's be best friends. I think, you know, kind of different ends of the spectrum, but enormous respect for uh for both sides of the coin okay yeah i mean it's it's yeah, i always envy people that have that uh, that easy way so um next question so what's one book every salesperson should read oh man one book um you know i'm gonna be contrarian here i don't actually really read sales books i pretty much only read uh history well, and it so, doesn't have to be a sales book. So what history book yeah. would you recommend? Um, history books. I'm trying to think of, you know what? I read a lot of military nonfiction mm-hmm. and I like it because, you know, when you read military nonfiction and when you read the accounts that a lot of young men and women have gone through, um, I think it helps put a salesperson in perspective that number one, uh, getting rejected on the phone means nothing. And number two, when you've had a really, really hard day, whether you are a sales employee or sales leader or company founder, uh, we get to go home and we get to watch TV and take a shower and go to bed in a nice, comfortable, uh, yeah, comfortable mattress. And uh, we have it better than most. So, yeah, I think, you know, in a lot of ways, military history Mm -hmm. is humbling and it helps put us in perspective, which I think can be important for anybody that's always on the grind. Do you have any one book in particular that... So I just actually read Dispatches, which is a oh, book. Yeah. Michael Hare. Yeah. Michael Hare, who just passed away and um, Great book. You know, wrote, it, wrote an incredible account of, of the Vietnam War. And he did it in a way, you know, not only was he a journalist and was, was a, a very, very good writer, but he also was one of the few journalists to like really embed himself, um, you know, with soldiers to the point where 
I mean, his, his life was in danger and where, you know, at one point he even said that he had to pick up a gun mm-hmm. and being able to have a writer, you know, describe, you know, certain scenarios, um, in a way that, you know, is just, is just special and it makes you feel like you're there. Yeah. Fantastic book. Yeah, it is. Michael Hare, H-E-R-R. Yes. He just recently passed away. Yeah. I hate to admit, I read that when I first came out. Um, a great book. Um, all right, last question for you. What what music's on your playlist these days? Music's on my playlist. So I think it varies from in the morning. I like to listen to rap to get pumped up. Uh, on the way home from work, I usually listen to uh, generally some jazz or blues to kind of like calm me down. And then at night, um, as I usually get some, some last minute work done and I'm kind of, you know, working through some writing or presentations or emails, I, I kind of just put on some, some classical and, uh, I convince myself that it makes me, uh, you know, smarter and more artistic. <laughs> and maybe it does. I mean, true Renaissance, uh, eclectic collection there. I like that. So, well, good. Well, Travis, thanks very much for being on the show today. Uh, tell folks how they can find out more about ambition and connect with you. Absolutely. So ambition.com. Uh, you know, love for you to check out our website and then you can, there's a lot of shiny green buttons, uh, you can click to contact us. And then, you know, if you have any questions, uh, feedback, uh, thoughts for me, you can either reach me on Twitter, um, at TD Truitt, or you can email me, uh, Travis at ambition.com. All right. Very good. Well, again, thanks for being on the show and friends. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to join us. And remember, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. An easy way to do that, take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, Accelerate. That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Travis Truitt, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.